Welcome to Audiobook Reviews in 5. This is Jana, also known as Jana, and in today's extended episode, I'm sitting down with UK writer Tom James. Tom previously produced and presented a comedy podcast called I Am Idiot, and he contributed to a surprisingly successful comedy cookbook called Fifty Shades of Gravy. He has also published articles on Medium and Public House magazine. Tom's new book, Your Children Are Boring, How Modern Parents Ruin Everything, was published by Sauce Materials in 2020. It delves into society's obsession with children and parenting and the potential consequences of this. Tom's audiobook is available on Audible and he narrates it beautifully. I enjoyed it so much that I listened to it twice. I appreciate his dry sense of humor and his talent for pointing out aspects of our culture in a thought-provoking style that is simultaneously poignant and hilarious. As you'll soon discover, in spite of its title, Tom's book is focused more on parents and parenting rather than children, but rest assured, he remains a trusted godparent to two of his friend's children in spite of this controversial subject matter. And now, I bring you Tom James. Tom, welcome to the podcast. I'm looking forward to our chat today. Can you start by telling us what prompted you to write this book? Sure. Thanks, Jana. It's nice to be here. Yeah, I think it was, uh, I think that I can trace it back to a individual moment, definitely, uh, that tied a lot of things in for me and, and got me kind of thinking. And it was probably quite an innocuous common moment in people's in some people's lives or some experiences which was I went for a lunch with some friends I went with my girlfriend at the time and these friends had just had uh, a new baby and so they obviously they did that thing of bring the, the little gurgling thing along to lunch and of can all sort of coo over it and fawn and say yes it looks like you know you or her or when in fact you just think it looks like Winston Churchill. They all look like Winston Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> Boys or girls, it doesn't really matter. Um, some version of Winston Churchill. I'm willing to bet you didn't say that, though. No, no, I didn't. No, I left that for the Christmas card. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so we were, you know, we were doing the, the usual thing. Uh, we've done a million times. And then the question came from my friend's partner, which was, uh, so when are you two going to have kids? And we'd been together a couple, couple of years, maybe. We were absolutely sure that it wasn't on our agenda. At least we'd, we'd never, we'd talked about it and we, neither of us were particularly interested. We kind of sort of mumbled and fumbled for words and weren't really sure what to say. I kind of looked at my girlfriend, she looked at me. and uh, but But my friend's partner was quite pushy with it, which was... Um, you know, I've had the question before from friends, but she was quite pushy in, in that, in, and she didn't mean any harm, but she was pushy in that, that she sort of said, come on, it must be, it must be what you want. And it was pointed at my mm. girlfriend and it was much more mm -hmm. about her and the, you know, thinking the body clock and this kind of all this stuff that gets, gets trotted out. And we kind of uh, deflected, I would say and moved on, went on to some other subject, and have you seen any 
good Winston Churchill films recently or something. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, um, but I, it, we chatted about it afterwards and it really got me thinking about all of it and, and about my reasons. I guess that I hadn't ever really been that interested in it. And it sort of sent me on this uh, bit of a spiral, if you like, in a good way, a creative spiral about what, what I thought about, not just that question, but why some people are what I used to think was childless and now I, I try and correct myself and say child free and why why certain people expect uh, parenthood to be the sort of the zenith of human existence and and um, mm. which you know it can be but 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 also why it's uh, I think so pervasive in society now that it is uh, a universally good thing and that it should be particularly with women it should be kind of your your one of your primary goals really as a human is to do that and um mm -hmm. yeah i've it sent me on this uh, sort of journey to explore it which started i think as a just a, a regular sort of i was just quite annoyed by it <laughs> and found it quite irritating <laughs> and thought i would uh, take the mick out of it um but it, it got more and more serious and and i found it more and more interesting and i found more and more people talking about it um, so yeah, that's that's kind of why I wrote it. And I'm imagining when you published this, you must have braced somewhat for negative reaction. It's it's a bit controversial, of course. You mentioned you know how, how parenthood is is so important in our culture and is seen as really this end goal or this ultimate goal. So you must have had some responses to your book. You must have been anticipating some some interesting or varied responses were there any responses that fulfilled your expectations or maybe surprised you maybe you heard from friends or, or family that actually what you were saying even if they were parents it, it resonated with them as well or it it uh the humor particularly um they could relate to yeah i think i was when i started it i was quite nervous I thought I'm not going to actually tell my friends that I've written this because I, you know, I I think every single one of my friends has children, and while I didn't put them into the boxes of some of the people and the, the parents that I'd identified, and certainly some of the behaviours, I just thought that everyone's going to get quite touchy about this, and I'm going to get in trouble with my friends, and I'm going to end up friendless, and um, uh, that absolutely wasn't the case, and the more I researched it, the more I realised that even, you know, obviously not just my friends who all, at least my face, so they love it and um, and it resonates with them. I think that was one of the most, one of the gratifying things about it is when you hear from parents about it, which is that mm. um, they, they see this, they see this behaviour in themselves from time to time, but they see it mm -hmm. at the school gates, they see it at the various whatsapp groups that they have to be in they see it um they see it more than we do as as people without kids because they're around it all the time and um that's that's quite interesting and that was quite a relief yeah. i'll be honest because i you know not just my friends i thought good there's you don't want to come across as someone that's just bitter and no, and lashing no. out and I'm sure no. it does I'm sure some people do think that <laughs> and you know don't worry I am bitter about some things but not that I think um fair enough yeah <laughs> but I think it's uh that was really gratifying but I think the I think also just 
because really what drove me initially was the observation of how different it was for women this experience and how I mean the experience of not having children but being surrounded by people asking you a lot of the time about it mm. how different that is and how much more personal it is um I think than it is for men it's still an impact on men it's not that you're you're oblivious to it and it does have that impact but it is different and I think when you look at the child free groups and communities my experience is they're predominantly female they're mm -hmm. predominantly women on them um, and so when I've spoken to to women that have read it um, which I have you know I've had lots of lovely feedback from from both sexes but I, when you hear it from women it's it's nice because you kind of think they they some of them have sort of said explicitly they didn't have anywhere to go with these thoughts and wow. it was a relief that there were people out there not just me but there were people out there that felt like this and that thought it was were able to laugh at it you know <laughs> yeah. and were able to sort of point and go ha 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 it is stupid and um and that was that was nice that was good because i think um there is there is undoubtedly and as you'll you know probably testify is it is a lot of pressure and it is not just it is not just society it is media it is um you know it is the magazines it is the websites it's this stuff is is rammed down your throat it is on the adverts yeah. it is it is everywhere and there is a it's very it's very strange to me and once i saw it like it's that kind of thing it cannot be unseen you know well in addition to this pervasive notion that it's always parenthood must always be perceived as a positive and a an ultimate goal I think you're putting words to something that people, to your point, may be thinking to themselves or wondering about. And if you've looked at child-free forums or social media, it might not be entirely surprising or new to see some of those words. But it did make me wonder, parents who are seeing these words probably haven't sought out a way to identify what they're feeling. Um, to your point, maybe they're feeling like, okay, it's a kind of a not happy feeling so I'm just gonna let that mm. go and I'm not gonna talk about it but I think you're articulating some really critical issues that we're all dealing with on some level and parents especially of course they're completely immersed in parenting that is the expectation that we have uh, and yet we're not really talking about it from a critical perspective and I thought it was interesting that that you brought this book out you published this book as a man who is child-free, um, because a lot of voices on child-free forums and child-free media does tend to be women who feel stressed about being mm. constantly asked, or maybe they've grown up in families that are religious or very traditional, and they feel an intense pressure mm. to fulfill that obligation to become a parent. And so I was curious to know, you know, you hadn't uh, been part of the child-free social media forums or, or any groups like that. But I expect as you wrote this, you would have seen the term come up. You would have probably done a little bit of research on that. What did you come away with after that in terms of the juxtaposition of this very mainstream parenting culture mm -hmm. and what some people might consider to be counterculture or underground or fringe group 
of people who call themselves child-free and express frustration or mm. um, vent to, to various points. I mean, I it can it can take all forms, but I'd I'd love to hear your uh, your thoughts on that and how you saw that in juxtaposition with the popular messages you'd seen about parenting. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was a fascinating. Uh, discovery really for me personally because as I said I didn't really know it existed before and when I did start to research it and and talk to people on these groups and um and observe uh, not in a creepy way but just in that <laughs> of <way. course>. <laughs> <laughs> just observe what people were discussing and how they felt about things lots of it it falls into place you know it does make sense um because it isn't just that it's it isn't just that parenthood is a you know pressure that will be put on you it's what it comes with it's mm-hmm. what the pressure comes with and it comes with this feeling that you will be better if mm-hmm. you have kids and that's for men and women that it will give you more perspective it will magically turn you into a better human being you know mm-hmm. and and which really bugs me and i write quite a lot about it in the book because i think it's it's a really troubling thought to think that you had to, the sort of person that had to have children to have perspective, for me would be exactly the sort of person that shouldn't have children. And um, this mm-hmm. this reaction you see on child-free groups, where amongst it all, you do get the minority of people who are really lashing out, who are really angry and hate children, or yeah. at least claim to hate children. I'm not sure they do, but maybe they do. But I think they more probably hate the situation, <laughs> whereas yeah. I don't. I don't. I mean, I, you know, I don't hate children. <laughs> um, uh, you have to say that at least once in any yeah. conversation, right? Yeah, I do. It's like yeah. a legal, legal disclaimer. <laughs> I was going to get a T-shirt, but <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe have it on the back, <laughs> by the way. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And people will just roll their eyes. Yeah, right. And um, But yeah, they, they, that ferocity of sort of, Frustration is a natural reaction to being put. I think it's been pushed into it, you know. And I think what, but what you do see in a lot of those child-free communities is you do see frustration. You see, I, I really observed a lot of questions around relationships, around where they are in a relationship with someone that does want to have children, mm. and they're not sure. They don't want to do it, and. And so they've found this this group where they've the group will say no, don't do it, leave him or leave her, you know, this kind of thing. But um, so you see some of that, which is it's probably really common, you know, that kind of thing. And you you also see something that you know I know we we have both experienced, which is that grieving for friends at a certain point in your life where they have children and they disappear. Yeah, everything yeah, changes. You want to be happy for them, of course, because they're excited and you can see that they're happy. But with experience comes, um, you know, to both both of us have experienced a sense that when our friends become parents, they're not the same people. Um, they don't have the same priorities. They're still lovely in their own way. In most cases, I mean, most of my friends who have become parents seem like great parents. They seem they seem like they're doing what they've wanted to do, but there just isn't that same exchange or connection anymore. Your conversations can't take on the same scope. 
And it's hard because as a, somebody without children, I want to support my friends who are parents, but I also miss them. I miss the person that I could chat with regularly and, and joke around with. And so I don't know that that's always talked about. I, I feel like you're not really supposed to say that because it's, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, to put a cliche around it, it's a small price to pay for their happiness. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can be the proud auntie or whatever mm-hmm. role they, they'd like you to fill. But the thing that really changes is the child becomes the center of their life. And this leads me to one of my favorite phrases from your book, which is, children are being elevated to a level of miniature gods. They are the alpha and omega of our existence. And it's as though when people become parents, there's this invisibility rendered onto their former selves. There's this sublimation almost of the self. And mm-hmm. one of the examples that you bring up that I've spotted myself is the the symbol of this is when the social media profile of the parent becomes substituted with the child's photo. Mm. And sometimes you'll see this where there's no photos left of the parent. It's all photos of their children on every social media post, mm. every every profile. And so there's this sense that you're going to just completely give yourself over to this. And yet, paradoxically, this obsession seems to align with the very individualist cultural extreme. So for example, you have a pretty funny example of um, the woman pushing the baby buggy or pushchair down the street, and there's this little old lady trying to make her way and navigate around this just cacophony of motion and sound and complete oblivion. <laughs> and, you know, uh, the, the mother in this case who's, who's pushing her baby along is looking at her her cell phone, which of course is a, is a cliche, but it's pretty common to see, I would say. I think that's a an accurate represent, representation of reality. And, and so there's this sense of selfishness and, you know, I'm the one that matters and I shouldn't have to, to watch where I'm going. I'm a mother, can't you see? I'm busy. My time mm. is very precious. So how do we make sense of that paradox of, um, you know, revering our, uh, I think the, the phrase you also used was revering our descendants. We're the first generation that has mm. revering our descendants instead of our ascendants and putting putting it all on the line, so to speak, for the kids. And yet we're also falling prey to being self-absorbed and completely uh, immersed in whatever we're happening to focus on in the moment, Mm. which is often uh, social media or or parenting, whatever it may be. How do we reconcile that paradox or how do we make sense of it? Yeah, there's a a lot there, isn't there? Because it's the bit around um, social media. I think I first noticed it actually on people's phones. You know, whether you Mm -hmm. have your sort of whatever your screensaver is and screensaver yeah and you see and and if you're the a parent, superman villain reference of the yeah yeah did you get child that? trapped under glass. i thought that was quite i thought that was quite an obscure <laughs> reference but it was just so perfect <laughs> which is uh yeah if you've seen superman and superman 2 with christopher reeve you'll know what i was talking about that small group of people <laughs> um but yeah it looks like the child is kind of trapped in their phone in this black mirror and um yeah, that was where I'd first noticed it. 
and then you notice it as you say on people's profile pics and stuff like that and um you see it post you see them posting it all the time and and i do you know i'm not naive i understand the nature of social media and so on but i think it's a little different posting a picture of your cat or your dog <laughs> or your garden <laughs> to posting a picture of your kids all the time and i think um mm-hmm. uh, it reminds me, I, what I try and do in my head a lot of the time with stuff like this, with social media, is try and transpose it into real life. And imagine someone coming up to you and just shoving a picture of their kid in your yeah. house saying, look, look, have you seen him? Have you seen my little boy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Now here's another one. Look at this. Do you want to know about me? No, look <laughs> at this. Look at this other one. <laughs> I've just took this. Yeah. It's, it's like that. And I think it's... Yes, there is an element where they are losing their own identity. But actually, I think they're choosing another one more than anything. I think mm-hmm. they're just choosing the role of parent as a quite a powerful uh, little avatar that they'll hang on to for a bit because it's much easier than having your own personality to just say, actually, I'm going to be a super parent now. I See how much I love my kids? See how much depth I have? See how important and, right. and perfect a person I am? I think it's. I think it ties in with all that terrible uh, identity, ident- politics, and identitarianism that you see so much. Which you know, there are some. There will be some good elements to that. But but I tend to, when I hear the words speaking as a dot dot dot, mm, I start. Well they to represent get, their entire yeah, group. It, it, I fear that I, I start to slightly switch off for a start. Um, but yeah. also, you you do hear it with with parents, and I. Uh, you know as if you're therefore your point of view unless you have that exact experience or lived experience or whatever it is we we say now um as a parent for example in this case um then you don't really have a right to say anything and um you know i would i would definitely uh, disagree with that for a start you don't uh you know you don't ask the doctor that's treating you if they've had cancer have you had cancer? Well, then you can't treat mine if you haven't had cancer. So I you think just it's... don't have the lived experience of yeah, living I'm with sorry. cancer. Yeah, oh, yeah. So I think um, I think it's very it's typical. It's kind of of course parents became just another identity, um, mm-hmm. but I think it's I think like a lot of this stuff, it's almost uh, a victim of that the gamified approach we have around social media, which it's really there for you to score points you know right likes yeah there was a section you mentioned like you had an example of you know if your if your child uh has a post about maybe being trans that earns you so many points or if the dad gets a a, lots of likes Mm. when when he's uh taking a selfie that's worth more points than maybe just a, a photo of the child on their own doing something yeah. more uh, isolated. <laughs> I, I laughed when I heard that, but it's true. There's this this real um, trend towards showing, look at how enlightened I am and, and my children are, are living up to that and they're fulfilling you know, all of my ideals of what it means to be this Mm. aware and woke, uh, whether it's a a social justice identity, but it can also come on the right where it's, you know, look at my young child who now has 
training with automatic weapons. I'm, 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 I'm being a little facetious here, but you do see those odd. There was a, a case in the summer where there was a a younger teenager, and I think he was arrested, and he was obviously very proficient using firearms. I, but it, you could see that same trend of this is my child hmm. fulfilling my ideals. And when it's mm. taken to the extreme, there's something quite sad about it and, and quite disturbing because on one level, the child is trying to simply fulfill this expectation, make their parents happy, get the response they've been trained to mm. learn is a good response. But to your point, it's also this, it's playing into this idea of victim identity and how your book is highlighting this, I think, is you, you point out hilariously at one point you know like it's a humble brag slash complaint when parents are saying oh gosh you know welcome to my life as they step out of the pub with their oh, God, yeah. with their son um and then you know talking about how difficult it is which is paradoxical again because then they they ask the child free people so why don't you want kids and and i, I almost want to say well look at your social media feed of all the complaints you've listed. It seems like you've done a fairly good job convincing me that this may be the least appealing, <laughs> quote unquote, cult in, in your in your book. This is what you, you joke about. Um, but this whole victimhood idea is wildly compelling among various groups. So I've mentioned previously the ultra-woke left and how you know, the tyranny of white supremacy is, is to blame for everything, or cis patriarchy is, is at the root of all evil. Uh, but then you also have ultra-right thinkers who want to see themselves as victims of corrupt government and said woke left. In other words, you know, if, if only those crazy lefties weren't here, you know, everything would be law and order and, and, and you know, we, mm. we would be a stable society. And so it does seem like modern parenthood is vying on this platform of various identities or identity politics as another version of this, of you know, the, the sacrificial parent who doesn't sleep and does everything for their children. And yet it's it's not really it's a bit of a vacuum in the sense that they are their own self-fulfilling prophecy of I'm, I'm sacrificing everything, including my friendships and maybe other relationships, professional relationships, all because I am determined to be this optimum, you know, the perfect parent and I'm, I'm giving it all up. But what accountability do I have or what what rights and responsibilities do I have beyond my immediate parenthood bubble? So do I need to watch out for other people's personal space <laughs> and <laughs> consider their personal time? I would argue, yes, that's a great thing. If we all did that, the world would be lovely. But this this whole idea of victimhood is is incredibly powerful. And so when it comes to parenting, though, it has this very particular feel and look and maybe you can talk a little bit about that because it's it's something that you you draw out wonderfully in your book mm, i do think i think that you know from what you were saying earlier on as well about the fact that it's it's absolutely agnostic parenthood clearly in terms of whether you're left wing right wing whatever your current ideology or identity is you'll see mum mm -hmm. or dad or whatever in the Twitter bio of all different kinds of extremes, you know, 
for some reason. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in there for a reason. Um, yeah. I don't put child free in there. Some people do, but but it's um, it's put in there to carry some sort of weight. I think. It, mm-hmm. I think a lot mm-hmm. of the time it is there to say, "I'm just I know a little bit more than you," because I've <laughs> yeah. I've been around a child. You know, and they might be a terrible parent, <laughs> absolutely awful. But you know, I'm a dad, so sorry. I know a little bit more, <laughs> and I um, <laughs> I used to have uh, <laughs> I used to have on a Twitter bio. I did have um, <laughs> working mum and mental health professional because I just thought it was the there you go. That's the perfect <laughs> humble brag right there. And obviously, it's not true. I'm neither <laughs> of those things. But I do. Th- I think there's, yeah. It's per- it is slightly a, a victimhood thing. Um, of sort of, it's a martyr thing. It's uh, yeah. It, it's that thing yeah. of liking the smell of burning martyr. That you know, it's lo- it's a lovely experience <laughs> because you um, <laughs> you get to, you know, for for virtually no real sacrifice and a voluntary one at that. One that you've actually decided mm-hmm. to do yourself. It's not like it's a mystery that it's going to be difficult raising a child. You know, that, oh, it's so tiring. Oh, you wouldn't believe how tired I am. Oh, I've barely had any sleep. But it's like, yeah, yeah, God, that's boring. It's like, is it really? Were you shocked? Were you shocked when you brought a, a helpless child into the world and it kept crying? You know, what was For it the you sake missed? Of argument, though, for the sake of argument, do you think parents deserve a break or we should cut them some slack because of COVID? Because, I mean, nobody would have anticipated living through uh, a, a pandemic. I yeah. mean, if, if you do have kids, to be fair, you can reasonably expect that they will be supervised and taken care of by a public school system, a private school system, if, you, if that's your, you know, your desire. But... In this case, for the last year, I think most parents have been caught off guard, justifiably so, like many of us. And do you feel we should kind of cut them a break and say, you know what, they really had it much harder than they ever reasonably expected? From from a COVID angle, I guess, coronavirus era that we live in, do you have any thoughts on that since, since it yeah. has predominated our culture for the last year? Yeah, and I've, you know, and I've heard from friends about it as well. And I, so I know that it is uh not easy but i've also got friends that live on their own and that's not easy yeah during this you know um and and with no one as well so yes True. it's yes yeah. of course it's hard and it's it would drive you mad and i think that particularly for people who are the primary carer for those kids right the the mom or whatever mm-hmm. or or the dad but they were they're having to hold down a job at home, but they're not able to get any care to support that. Yeah, that'll drive you mad. And and I've sort yeah. of observed it myself on a few Zoom calls and, and whatnot, where you sort of you just it gets muted all of a sudden as they sit and then the the screaming starts. <laughs> and you sort oh, of yes. sit there awkwardly and think, Yeah, that's it. Go on, give them hell. And uh <laughs> but but I think <laughs> Um, so yeah, of course I have sympathy, and it's you know it's mm. I'm a I'm at pains throughout any time I talk to people or even in the book to make it clear it's not it's not all of them it's not all the parents I don't hate yeah. kids and it's not all of them so I do have sympathy but I also think that 
um, I think I say it in the book, you're not decommissioning landmines, you know, it's children, right. you know, yeah. try, try and keep them away from the bleach and, and teach them <laughs> to say please and thank you. And, and yeah. I, I think that we have a tendency to, again, martyr, either we martyr them or they martyr themselves, parents sometimes. Yeah. Around and stuff compare, that like comparisons of pain. Like it, it's to your point, this martyrdom of parents gets compared to, oh, well, this is sort of the high, in the hierarchy of martyrdom, parents in COVID have it worst, you know, especially single parents and maybe below that are couples who are parents who are reasonably happy. And everybody acknowledges that it's hard for everybody in an abstract way. But again, this comes back to this, this martyrdom of, you know, your suffering is is more extreme and you deserve more sympathy uh, and more compassion even. I, I have a hard time knowing what to make of that because the truth is we're all struggling with different aspects of the COVID situation. And once we start comparing struggles, where does that get us? Is it helpful? I, I just, I'm not sure that it's totally helpful to compare suffering it, it seems a competition yeah, just, it, yeah again yeah. And, and you point out you know human beings were very com- competitive and mm. and parents use their role and their child even as or their children as means of competing um and this actually goes to my next question is you know a lot of us if we're not millennials we are close to millennials in the workplace we certainly know them and millennials are notorious for having been pressured to fulfill, you know, their potential and you're, you're you know, they're part of the self-esteem movement and you're wonderful and participation prizes and, you know, everybody wins, all that good stuff. And yet they are perpetuating this thinking as parents, as they become parents, and their children are now expected to be, you know, the the artists or the genius minds that will cure cancer and invent um, you know mm-hmm. I don't know hoverboard transportation free f- free uh, access to everything for everybody mm. I'm, again I'm being a little facetious here but I wonder sometimes if children today will grow up to value being unexceptional and mediocre since it's almost become exotic to aspire to that. I I don't think anybody actually does aspire to that directly, or at least they don't admit to it. But it seems almost painfully predictable that everyone has to be special. And you use a quote from George Carlin Mm. that that I love, that essentially is, is a rumination on, well, when do we stop being special? If parents aren't special or adults aren't special, when did that stop? And then if everybody's special, that nobody is special. And yeah. so will it somehow become desirable to aim for mediocrity and aim for imperfection as a bizarre twist on this <laughs> hyper-exceptionalism uh, in the mainstream? I think, yeah, I think it's fascinating because, um, yeah, on the one hand, there is that element of constantly being told as parents constantly feeling like, I think, they have to tell their kids that, not only are they special, but they can do anything they want. You, know, you can do anything you want. Yeah. You can do anything. You can be an amazing artist. You could be a footballer. You could be a, a pop star, a doctor, all these things. And, you know, the truth is, no, no, you can't. 
You can't. Of course you can't. You do have to have some sort of ability and you have to usually work incredibly hard to excel in anything, mm -hmm. you know, unless you're lucky or born into wealth or something like that. So it's it's an unrealistic uh, expectation in both ways. You're at once telling them you're really special and then at the same time telling them that they can be all these things. And it's a... As you say, I think there's a, a lot of it comes out of the self-help thing. You know, you sort of... Mm -hmm. People having their own sort of uh, dream boards and mission boards and things like that and just think if you put the pictures up there, then it will become, you know, a reality and so on. And, yeah, the, the, the thing that sort of occurred to me was that you're going to have a lot of children that grow into adults uh, all thinking that they are the most... They are the centre of the universe. And... Yeah. What do they do when they meet someone else who believes they're the center of the universe? And another person that Worlds collide. That. Yeah, and another person. <laughs> so that can't that can't end well. Um we've really got into the habit strangely this in this sort of millennial and this sort of generation uh of having unrealistic expectations about a lot of things, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, not just uh, sort of your life as a child or parenthood or marriage or jobs you know you see it in careers as well you know we yeah in all sorts of areas you think it you know you've you and you can get fooled into it really easy easily because it's sure. so seductive because it offers so much promise and um yeah and the the opposite of it is so depressing <laughs> and and, <laughs> yeah. and you know um you just sort of think there's probably some sort of balance and the good parents out there are probably offering some sort of balance which is you know mm -hmm. what would you what do you like doing what do you enjoy well right, let's explore that how much effort would it actually do? how possible is it you know um whereas my my generation which is x really we had the other extreme which is um mm -hmm. you kind of you never got asked what you wanted, what you wanted to do. And it was never even a question. Yeah. So you just had to sort of work it out. And you can fall through the cracks with that. You can just end up in dead end jobs for a long, long time if you do that. Whereas, like I say, some sort of in between would be good. Where you get mm. asked that, but you don't get an unrealistic veneer over it. Where, yeah, that's great. Do that. Be a, be a top uh, footballer. That would be great. You know. And yeah. it, it obviously won't come true. So I think it's, and we, I mean, we must all have experienced it. I've certainly experienced that many times of um, mm. a, child, a child's work being presented as some sort of masterpiece. It could be any kind of work, but some sort of achievement, which is, you know, okay. But it's presented as, isn't it incredible what they've done? Yeah. No, no, it's not. He's it's on not. track to be in a gallery. <laughs> Yeah. 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 And I yeah. think it's um it, it's it's fine uh as a sort of starting point maybe or a little bit earlier on but it, it as it as life goes on it's going to be really difficult for that little human to deal with those unrealistic expectations because the drop to reality is going to be so sharp. Uh, yeah. And, you know, yeah. Especially when parents don't often expose their children to feelings of failure um, and it can be as simple 
and as essential as toilet training, which is another example you brought up in yeah, your book. Yeah. And I never thought this would happen in my lifetime. And yet there are children now going to grade school and they're still wearing nappies or diapers. And this isn't talked about really. It's seen as, oh, well, they just need their time. And this is such a fundamental experience of growing up and Yet, of course, for many children, it can be frustrating. I mean, you know, you are going to fail when you're learning how to use the toilet. It's as simple as that. And yet so many parents resist doing it because they don't want to see that. They don't want to see their children experiencing those feelings of failure. And the drawback, of course, is the child doesn't get to experience it. And it's you can only build emotional resiliency and fortitude if you get through that right if you if you experience failure and you persevere and again you know toilet training is super simple but it it comes into everything else like competitive sports and if you if you did want to pursue being an artist yeah you're you're going to have to fail many many times and i think that in my mind is one of the cruel Mm. cruel parts of this is that children never get to experience failure in a way that's going to make them more courageous to try new things because their understanding can become, and again, this is a more extreme example because I realize not all parents do this and certainly not to the same extent, but you can have children who believe anything that I try, I will succeed in because my parents have set me up to succeed. And if they don't succeed, their parents are there to rush in and, oh, no, no, it's okay. You did great. You were wonderful to the point now where, and again, this is another example that's, that I found a little bit disturbing, parents sitting in on their children's job interviews, negotiating salaries, I mean, when does it end? There's there's no end to it. So yeah, it's not to say we should go back to the bad old days, you know, where it was like tough luck and you're just going to have to deal with it. But there is something to be said for failing and learning how to fail and then mm. trying to take your life into your own hands and and fail on your own like that's that's yeah. growth i would think no I, I think so and i think also you know what one of the things about if you if you've never tasted any kind of disappointment or failure or you're shielded from it a lot then when it happens you're going to give up i think you're just going to yeah because it's so say, shocking well, i don't want that then i'm not doing that again and yeah, that might you might have been really good at that but you've given up yeah. because of that you know the amount of pursuits meaningful creative scientific pursuits that involve rejection and disappointment along the way but pretty much all of them you know uh, you're going to get you're going to get rejection and sure um, uh, and so i think it's it's very it's a real shame for that i also what i'm not sure about with some parents and their motivation for it is i think in some cases it's it's genuinely that they don't want that the child to be in pain right which because no parent you would hope wants that and they don't want them to be therefore upset and they extrapolate pain to disappointment but I think some parents want to be and I do talk about this because it again it maddens me um parents want to be the friends with their kids and and I don't like that because I think that you you have a role a very clear role for that child doesn't mean you can't have some of the aspects of friendship you know, being easy mm. to talk to, being someone they go to, but that is a parent. You know, you're yeah. also there for all these other things that are providing. My friends don't provide for me. The you know, 
boundaries no. my friends absolutely don't give me boundaries <laughs> maybe they should actually but, but they don't but uh, you know those kinds of things and you, you do see that that you know my best mate is my my dad or my mum and we maybe it's you know best mates and I think that's not good I don't think that's good because I always think what aren't you doing then in order to compromise yeah. to be friends you know what what aren't you doing as a parent yeah, I mean, presumably not having strong friendships with other adults on the part maybe, of parents' part. Maybe, you know, maybe, not, that, maybe, maybe they're missing out there. Maybe not disappointing them, you know, maybe not saying no, you know, maybe not yeah. providing, uh, you know, some not necessarily discipline, but just some boundaries around certain things, you know. It's, yeah. I'm not sure what the answer is. I just, I think it's, I don't it's think an important it's un- question, though. unreasonable to suggest it might have gone too far. And that maybe, you know, trying to be mates with your kids isn't, you know, get your own mates and let them get their own friends. You know, that's kind of part of being a human. We're, we're meant to do that. Yeah. It's, it's one thing to be friendly in your tone. It's a totally different thing to be in the role of a friend. Yeah. Um, and and you've, I think you've captured that really well. I, I see parents who've got really healthy, fun relationships with their kids and it's it's lovely but they're still definitely their mum you know or their dad you know they are definitely that and there is a line that will not be crossed (laughs) and if it is whoa and then you see others that it's there is no line and they're they're mates yeah yeah that's uh that i don't like well if you could offer advice to Mm. people who are thinking of becoming parents they're undecided what would you say (laughs) i would um (laughs) I would say, really, there must be someone better to ask than me, <laughs> first of all. But then <laughs> if they insisted because they'd had some sort of breakdown, I would um, I would always say to people, if you're thinking about it, have, have you considered fostering? Have you considered adoption? Because mm. I cannot think of a more wonderful thing to do. Whether, you know, I just think it's the most wonderful act uh, that a person can do is adoption or fostering. I think those people are, you know, by and large, that is just a, a wonderful pursuit. So I would say think about that and then think why not? Because yeah. people do think about it and then they and then they go, no, I didn't really want them. Why not? What is it? What is yeah. it about them? What it, What is driving you? Because it's a really uncomfortable question as a parent to answer because it's a primal thing. Uh, a it lot is. of the time and it's a it's arguably a bit of a, a vain thing a bit of an ego thing as well you know and a vanity almost and it, it's it doesn't mean it's that for everyone but I think it's a good place to start sometimes is ask why not adoption why have you not thought about that yeah um, because I think it's never really I think the adoption rates certainly in the UK have been going down you know and um it's that's a worry you know i think that's a worry because you know i'm not i'm not a nihilist i'm not or an antinatalist that's a whole nother conversation oh right those lunatics but no but but i'm not one of those but i do think um i don't think there's any right-minded person actually that, that thinks that adoption isn't about one of the most wonderful things you can do and yet it's not that popular it's not really talked yeah. about very often. When I was a kid growing up, it was a it was a big thing. It was uh, 
I knew a lot of kids that were adopted. I knew a few foster kids. And it was... Um, I was thinking, I've just always been um, taken aback at how wonderful and selfless, genuinely selfless an act that is to do that, mm-hmm. where you are literally just putting that child first. And you're saying, yeah. we're, we're going to provide something special for them. Um, I so I would I do that. About that. I don't have any insight to, to shed on that, but I think it's such a, a fundamental question. If, if people are really mulling over why do they want to be a parent that's a great start and um, why why not adopt why not foster yeah, yeah you know? i think um you know because there's lots of uncomfortable conversations around things like um you know if if then at first you don't get pregnant you try ivf you know people try ivf which you know that's uh, that's one way and then you might try surrogacy which i again i have a I, I think morally, there is no defence of that. Personally, I cannot see mm. one, which I'm sure is controversial in some ways. But it's but I think I think morally it has no defence that. Not when there. Why are, is that? Why do you feel that way? Because uh, again, I think that for a start, I think on the on the side of the way it treats women as a womb to be rented, I think is dangerous. I think mm-hmm. um, no matter what people. So I think even that idea isn't isn't healthy um Mm -hmm. uh again i think really why not adopt at this point rather than spend thousands on this kind of stuff and and the other reality of it is that um which people don't like to admit which is that it's a lot of it is almost um is a very third world um Mm. uh, kind of exploitation exercise Oh, so just to be clear, you're not thinking of cases where a relative might be a surrogate or it might be a friend. Like it's 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 a much more familial or a close knit relationship. Yeah, yeah, not so much that. I mean, I still think there is a question there, which is, hang on, what again? Why are you doing that rather than adopt? Yeah, and and it's you know it's it's for anyone's people can make their own minds up, but it's more that I don't. It's not that so much that I want to be judgmental about what people do with that stuff it's more that i'm it was a reaction again on my own part about being called or being suspected that i'm selfish for not wanting kids yeah. <laughs> and that uh, you know and that I'm, I'm not sort of endlessly fascinated by parenthood or children um i then i i guess i felt like uh well let's try and even the, even things out a little bit um and uh, you know and as, yeah so as far as advice i'm sure it would end any friendship I had if they asked for advice and that's what I gave them Uh, but the uh, the other thing would be if you do have them um, don't post don't ever post an image of them on social media ever and in fact if you can help it don't tell people you're a parent Um, yeah not because I don't want to see it but because I think that would be a healthy thing to do you know don't make it just and I've got friends that are like that they never do that they never post you wouldn't know that they were parents and wow. they are wonderful parents and um yeah. it's not it's not because you you shouldn't necessarily do that although i think when they're little maybe you shouldn't do that um it's more that i think wh- why lose who you are you know if wh- why mm-hmm. not just try and be a be a dad or a mum in your own time and if you're going to play at social media just play at social media but don't drag them into it and i think um yeah so that would be a a good start don't post anything with them yeah. in it you know if you can help it 
So that's so. your advice to parents if you are. <laughs> I think have so. Had kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's too late for them. So I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's you know the thing is most parents I know have managed to come through the entire experience with a really healthy self awareness about mm -hmm. it, which I think is, you know, when I when I, you know scorn and laugh at certain behaviors a lot of it is from really from a lack of self-awareness or an entitlement yeah um, which agree. has been sort of fed to some parents and uh, and some of them really chugged it down you know and really gone for it and doubled down and thought yeah this is amazing i am the most important person in the world <laughs> and it, um and i think yeah, most parents I know have got really good self-awareness and and know that, you know, know that other people are like that and know that they don't want to be like that. Yeah, that what can you do about it? This I mean, you you get people without parent without kids that are like that. You know, they're incredibly entitled. So of course you're going to get them as parents. It's kind of the yeah. point of it. It's no you don't there isn't a switch that gets flicked. You don't, yeah, you know. Yeah, it just draws you, out more of them, whatever whoever they are yeah. it can amplify certain traits and yeah to your point i don't think i've ever seen a parent completely shift personalities and they suddenly turn into a stranger uh it's it's just certain personality traits suddenly become amplified because mm. that's what they've decided to focus on and so it's interesting how you see this progression or whatever word you want to use it can be a neutral thing it can be a positive thing it can be negative but yeah it's it's true there's definitely parenting or like any identity it can amplify your identity previous to choosing that making that life choice yeah yeah i think i think when i see a lot of my friends and people i know and how they are with their children all different kinds of ages and and they have problems with them and they struggle with them but when i see how they are they the the thing they're always doing is they're thinking about what is what does that child need what does it need not what do i want but what mm -hmm. does that child need really need yeah. you know and try and see the big picture and i think that's uh you know that's uh, that's great that's that's a great parent there yeah. doing that and i think that's that's lovely and try and bring a bit of joy to it whereas I, I don't you know i'm a godparent a couple of times over somehow but i've got no responsibilities really i have to no <laughs> you, know, you buy them a present every now and then and you know i kind of imagine that uh, i think one of my one of my friends who made me a godparent i think he thinks i'm going to somehow uh pass on like cultural knowledge that he doesn't to his little boy and and i'm going to do that and uh yeah, we'll we'll have to see. I think it's kind of my my um my view of godparents is you you don't have to. The good thing is you don't really have to be a parent because that's covered. Yeah. So yes. really, you've just got to come up with some sort of wacky way of being a godparent. Yeah. It can be the fun one. Yeah, maybe don't deal drugs to them or something like that. Yeah. But you could, uh, yeah, try try and be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I wrote I wrote this. You can read that when you're older. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate you being so forthcoming about your own life experience in this book. And as as well, I, I loved hearing the audiobook because you did a phenomenal job reading it. And okay. uh, I encourage everyone to check it out. 
thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. Yes. That's all for this extended episode of Audiobook Reviews in 5. Thanks for listening. If you've not yet done so, please follow us on Facebook and subscribe to Audiobook Reviews in 5 on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and many others. By subscribing, you help increase the profile of this podcast and chances of other listeners finding it. I look forward to checking in with you all again soon. Please stay safe and be well.